story with me Love who you want to be, who you are Learn these lessons and we'll go far It's story time Story time Story time with Mama G Hello, hello everyone and welcome to Story Time with Mama G, the podcast. I am Mama G. You are you. Thank you ever so much for listening. Now, before we go any further, don't forget, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for at Mama G Stories. I do love to hear from you, and I do like to know if you're enjoying the podcast, and you can let me know by reviewing it wherever you get your podcast, subscribing wherever you got your podcast, and of course sharing it with all your friends, because it's so nice to share the love. Well, I hope you have had a good week since the last podcast, and I know that probably you have spent the week in anticipation of what is going to happen in part two of The Reluctant Dragon by Kenneth Graham. Well, it's very exciting. And just to get you up to speed with what happened in part one since it was a a week ago, since you listened quite possibly. Boy, I think he's just called The Boy. The Boy has, has met a dragon in a cave. But this isn't any ordinary dragon. This is a rather friendly dragon. A very erudite, artistic dragon. And this dragon is now loved by the boy's mother and father. It's taken into the hearts of their families. But the boy went down into the village, talked to the village about it, and the village is unsettled that there is a dragon in their midst. And that is where we left the story. But now, let's pick up the story with part two of The Reluctant Dragon by Kenneth Graham. boy on walking into the village found everything wearing a festal appearance which was not to be accounted for in the calendar. Carpets and gay-coloured stuffs were hung out of the windows and the church bells clamoured noisily. The little street was flower-strewn and the whole population jostled each other along either side of it, chattering, shoving and ordering each other to stand back. The boy saw a friend of his own age in the crowd and hailed him. What's up? he cried. Is it the players, or bears, or a circus, or what? It's all right, his friend hailed back. He's a-coming. Who's a-coming? demanded the boy, thrusting into the throng. Why, St. George, of course, replied his friend. He's heard tell of your dragon, and he's coming on purpose to slay the deadly beast and free us from his orrid yoke. Oh, my... Won't there be a jolly fight? Sure for himself. And he wriggled himself in between the legs of his good-natured elders, abusing them all the time for their unmannerly habit of shoving. Once in the front rank, he breathlessly awaited the arrival. Presently, from the faraway end of the line came the sound of cheering. Next, the measured tramp 
of a great warhorse made his heart beat quicker, and then he found himself cheering with the rest as, amidst welcoming shouts, shrill cries of women, uplifting of babies and waving of handkerchiefs, St. George paced slowly up the street. The boy's heart stood still, and he breathed with sobs. The beauty and the grace of the hero were so far beyond anything he had yet seen. His fluted armor was inlaid with gold. His plumed helmet hung at his saddle bow, and his thick fair hair framed a face gracious and gentle beyond expression, till you caught the sternness in his eyes. He drew rein in front of the little inn, and the villagers crowded round with greetings and thanks and voluble statements of their wrongs and grievances and oppressions. The boy heard the grave, gentle voice of the saint assuring them that all would be well now, and that he would stand by them and see them righted and free them from their foe. Then he dismounted and passed through the doorway, and the crowd poured in after him. But the boy made off up the hill as fast as he could lay his legs to the ground. It's all up, dragon, he shouted as soon as he was within sight of the beast. He's coming! He's here now. You'll have to pull yourself together and do something at last. The dragon was licking his scales and rubbing them with a bit of house flannel the boy's mother had lent him, till he shone like a great turquoise. Don't be violent, boy, he said without looking round. Sit down and get your breath and try and remember that the noun governs the verb and then perhaps you'll be good enough to tell me who's coming. That's right. Take it coolly, said the boy. Hope you'll be half as cool when I've got through with my news. It's only St. George who's coming, that's all. He rode into the village half an hour ago. Of course you can lick him, a great big fellow like you. But I thought I'd warn you, because he's sure to be round early, and he's got the longest, wickedest looking spear you ever did see. And the boy got up and began to jump round in sheer delight at the prospect of the battle. Oh, dearie, dearie me, moaned the dragon. This is too awful. I won't see him, and that's flat. I don't want to know the fellow at all. I'm sure he's not nice. You must tell him to go away at once, please. Say he can write if he likes, but I can't give him an interview. I'm not seeing anybody at present. Now, dragon, dragon, said the boy imploringly. Don't be perverse and wrong-headed. You've got to fight him sometime or other, you know, because he's St. George and you're the dragon. Better get it over and then we can go on with the sonnets. And you ought to consider other people a little too. If it's been dull up here for you, think how dull it's been for me. My dear little man, said the dragon solemnly, just understand once for all that I can't fight and won't fight. I've never fought in my life, and I'm not going to begin now just to give you a Roman holiday. In old days, I always let the other fellows, the, the earnest fellows, do all the fighting. And no doubt that's why I have the pleasure of being here now. But if you don't fight, you'll cut your head off, 
gasped the boy, miserable at the prospect of losing both his fight and his friend. Oh, I think not, said the dragon in his lazy way. You'll be able to arrange something. I've every confidence in you. You're such a manager. Just run down, there's a dear chap, and make it all right. I leave it entirely to you. The boy made his way back to the village in a state of great despondency. First of all, there wasn't going to be any fight. Next, his dear and honoured friend, the dragon, hadn't shown up in quite such a heroic light as he would have liked. And lastly, whether the dragon was a hero at heart or not, it made no difference. For St. George would most undoubtedly cut his head off arrange things indeed, he said bitterly to himself. The dragon treats the whole affair as if it was an invitation to tea and croquet. The villagers were straggling homewards as he passed up the street, all of them in the highest spirits and gleefully discussing the splendid fight that was in store. The boy pursued his way to the inn and passed into the principal chamber where St. George now sat alone, musing over the chances of the fight and the sad stories of wrong that had so lately been poured into his sympathetic ears. May I come in, St. George? said the boy politely as he paused at the door. I want to talk to you about this little matter of the dragon, if you're not tired of it by this time. Oh yes, come in, boy, said the saint kindly. Another tale of misery and wrong, I fear me. Is it a kind of parent, then, of whom the tyrant has bereft you? Or some tender sister or brother? Well, it shall soon be avenged. Nothing of the sort, said the boy. There's a misunderstanding somewhere, and I want to put it right. The fact is, this is a good dragon. Exactly, said St. George, smiling pleasantly. I quite understand. A good dragon, believe me. I do not in the least regret that he is an adversary worthy of my steel, and no feeble specimen of his noxious tribe. But he's not a noxious tribe, cried the boy distressed. Oh dear, oh dear, how stupid men are when they get an idea into their heads. I tell you, he's a good dragon, and a friend of mine, and tells me the most beautiful stories you ever heard all about old times and when he was little. And he's been so kind to Mother, and Mother'd do anything for him. And Father likes him too, though Father doesn't hold with art and poetry much, and always falls asleep when the dragon starts talking about style. But the fact is, nobody can help liking him when once they know him. He's so engaging, and so trustful, and as simple as a child. Oh, sit down, and draw your chair up said St. George. I like a fellow who sticks up for his friends, and I'm sure the dragon has his good points, if he's got a friend like you. But that's not the question. All this evening, I've been listening with grief and anguish unspeakable to tales of murder, theft, and wrong. Rather too highly coloured, perhaps, not always quite convincing, but forming in the main a most serious role of crime. History teaches us that the greatest rascals often possess all the domestic virtues, 
and I fear that your cultivated friend, in spite of the qualities which have won, and rightly, your regard, has got to be speedily exterminated. Oh, you've been taking all the yarns those fellows have been telling you, said the boy impatiently. Why? Our villagers are the biggest storytellers in all the country round. It's a known fact. You're a stranger in these parts, or else you'd have heard it already. All they want is a fight. They're the most awful beggars for getting up fights. It's meat and drink to them. Dogs, bullies, dragons, anything so long as it's a fight. Why? They've got a poor innocent badger in the stable behind there at this moment. They were going to have some fun with him today, but they're saving him up now till your little affair's over. And I've no doubt they've been telling you what a hero you were, and how you were bound to win in the case of right and justice and so on. But let me tell you, I came down the street just now, and they were betting six to four on the dragon freely. Six to four on the dragon? murmured St. George, sadly resting his cheek on his hand. This is an evil world, and sometimes I begin to think that all the wickedness in it is not entirely bottled up inside the dragons. And yet, may not this wily beast have misled you as to his real character, in order that your good report of him may serve as a cloak for his evil deeds? Nay, may there not be, at this very moment, some hapless princess immured within yonder gloomy cavern? The moment he had spoken, St. George was sorry for what he had said. The boy looked so genuinely distressed. I assure you, St. George, he said earnestly, there's nothing of the sort in the cave at all. The dragon's a real gentleman, every inch of him, and I may say that no one would be more shocked and grieved than he would at hearing you talk in that, that loose way about matters on which he has very strong views. Well, Perhaps I've been uh, over-credulous, said St. George. Perhaps I've misjudged the animal. But what are we to do? Here are the dragon and I, almost face to face, each supposed to be thirsting for each other's blood. I don't see any way out of it exactly. What do you suggest? Can't you arrange things somehow? That's just what the dragon said, replied the boy, rather nettled. Really? The way you two seem to leave everything to me. I suppose you couldn't be persuaded to go away quietly, could you? Oh, impossible, I fear, said the saint, quite against the rules. You know that as well as I do. Well, then, look here, said the boy. It's early yet. Would you mind strolling up with me and seeing the dragon and talking it over? It's not far, and any friend of mine will be most welcome. Well, it's irregular said St. George, rising. But really it seems about the most sensible thing to do. You're taking a lot of trouble on your friend's account, he added good-naturedly, as they passed out through the door together. But cheer up! Perhaps there won't have to be any fight after all. Oh, but I hope there will, though, replied the little fellow, wistfully. I've brought a friend to see you, dragon, said the boy, rather loud. The dragon woke up with a start. I was just uh, thinking about things, he said in his simple way. Very pleased to make your acquaintance, sir. Charming weather we're having. This is St. George, said the boy shortly. St. George, let me introduce you to the dragon. 
We've come up to talk things over quietly, Dragon. And now, for goodness's sake, do let us have a little straight common sense and come to some practical business-like arrangement, for I'm sick of views and theories of life and personal tendencies and all that sort of thing. I may perhaps add that my mother's sitting up. So glad to meet you, St. George, began the dragon rather nervously, because you've been a great traveller, I hear, and I've always been rather a stay-at-home. But I can show you many antiquities, many interesting features of our countryside if you're stopping here any time. I think, said St. George in his frank, pleasant way, that we'd really better take the advice of our young friend here and try to come to some understanding on a business footing about this little affair of ours. Now, don't you think that after all the simplest plan would be just to fight it out according to the rules and let the best man win? They're betting on you, I may tell you down in the village, but I don't mind that. Oh, yes, do, dragon, said the boy delightedly. It'll save such a lot of bother. My young friend, you shut up, said the dragon severely. Believe me, St. George, he went on, there's nobody in the world I'd sooner oblige than you and this young gentleman here. But the whole thing's nonsense and conventionality and popular thick-headedness. There's absolutely nothing to fight about from beginning to end. And anyhow, I'm not going to, so that settles it. But supposing I make you? said St. George, rather nettled. You can't, said the dragon triumphantly. I should only go into my cave and retire for a time down to the hole I came up. You'd soon get heartily sick of sitting outside and waiting for me to come out and fight you. And as soon as you'd really gone away, why, I'd come up again gaily. For I tell you frankly, I like this place and I'm going to stay here. St. George gazed for a while on the fair landscape around them. But this would be a beautiful place for a fight, he began again persuasively. These great bear rolling downs for the arena, and me and my golden armor showing up against your big blue scaly coils. Think what a picture it would make. Now you're trying to get at me through my artistic sensibilities, said the dragon, but it won't work. Not but what it would make a very pretty picture, as you say, he added, wavering a little. We seem to be getting rather nearer to business, put in the boy. You must see, Dragon, that there's got to be a fight of some sort, because you can't want to have to go down that dirty old hole again and stop there till goodness knows when. It might be arranged, said George thoughtfully. I must spear you somewhere, of course, but I'm not bound to hurt you very much. There's such a lot of you that there must be a few spare places somewhere. Here, for instance, just behind your foreleg. It couldn't hurt you much just here. No, no, you're tickling, George, said the dragon coyly. No, that place won't do at all. Even if it didn't hurt, and I'm sure it would awfully, it would make me laugh and that would spoil everything. You'll let's try somewhere else then, said St. George patiently. Under your neck, for instance, all these folds of thick skin. If I speared you here, you'd never even know I'd done it. Yes, but are you sure you can hit off the right place? Asked the dragon anxiously. Of course I am, said St. George with confidence. You leave that to me. It's just because I've got to leave it to you that I'm asking, replied the dragon rather testily. 
No doubt you would deeply regret any error you might make in the hurry of the moment, but you wouldn't regret it half as much as I should. However, I suppose we've got to trust somebody as we go through life, and your plan seems, on the whole, as good as one as any. Look here, dragon, interrupted the boy, a little jealous on behalf of his friend, who seemed to be getting all the worst of the bargain. I don't quite see where you come in. There's to be a fight, apparently, and you're to be licked, and what I want to know is, what are you going to get out of it? St. George, said the dragon, just tell him, please, what will happen after I'm vanquished in the deadly combat? Well, according to the rules, I suppose, I shall lead you in triumph down to the marketplace or whatever answers to it, said St. George. Precisely, said the dragon, and then... And then there'll be shoutings and speeches and things, continued St. George, and I shall explain that you are converted and see the error of your ways and so on. Quite so, said the dragon, and then? Oh, and then, said St. George, why, and then there will be the usual banquet, I suppose. Exactly, said the dragon, and that's where I come in. Look here, he continued, addressing the boy. I'm bored to death up here, and no one really appreciates me. I'm going into society. I am, through the kindly aid of our friend here, who's taking such a lot of trouble on my account. And you'll find I've got all the qualities to endear me to people who entertain. So now that's all settled, and if you don't mind, I'm an old-fashioned fellow. Don't want to turn you out, but... Remember, you'll have to do your proper share of the fighting, dragon said St. George, as he took the hint and rose to go. I mean ramping and breathing fire and so on. Oh, I can ramp, all right, replied the dragon confidently. As to breathing fire, it's surprising how easily one gets out of practice, but I'll do the best I can. Good night. They had descended the hill and were almost back in the village again when St. George stopped short. Knew I'd forgotten something, he said. There ought to be a princess, terror-stricken, and chained to a rock and all that sort of thing. Boy, can't you arrange a princess? The boy was in the middle of a tremendous yawn. I'm tired to death, he wailed, and I can't arrange a princess or anything more at this time of night. And my mother's sitting up. And do stop asking me to arrange more things till tomorrow. What's going to happen next? I'm on tenterhooks. Well, we're going to have to wait until next week because it turns out, my darlings, there is going to be a part three to The Reluctant Dragon by Kenneth Graham. And I am so delighted, to be honest, because I am absolutely loving reading Kenneth Graham. I love the way that he writes. And this is such a fabulously warm and funny story that's teaching us about being who we are and being proud of who we are 
and working out how that fits into society, but letting society know that we will find our own way into it. We will not be forced to suit what society expects from us. Very powerful story. Weren't expecting that, were you? But now it's time for some modern stories because, of course, The Reluctant Dragon was written a very long time ago, but for some modern stories, so modern, they were published this week. And they are my books of the week. That's right, plural. There's going to be two of them because I couldn't choose. Here we go. Now, if you are a regular listener to this podcast, then not only do you have quite a collection of books of the week, which I hope you're enjoying, then you may remember that last year, one of my books, of the weeks was The Strange World Travel Agency by L.D. Lipinski and I was absolutely enthralled by it. It was recommended to me by the rather lovely Lucinda the Librarian from Ballam Library who you can also follow on Facebook and she loved it because one of the central characters is a trans person but that's not the fundamental aspect of their character that leads or drives the story. It's just a a part of who they are. And it's a part of who they are that as a reader, we just understand and accept and then we carry on with the story. And that's rather exciting, rather than the story being about their transness. And um, that's Jonathan, who runs the Strange World's travel agency. He's the guardian of this rather mystical society. And basically, you go into the travel agency, you choose a suitcase, and you jump down into it and you are in a rather wonderful land as Flick discovers in the first book and they go on lots of wonderful adventures. And the first book is full of, like I said, wonderful adventures but then it also gets terribly, terribly exciting towards the end and it's very, very difficult to put down and I think I read The Strange World's Travel Agency very, very quickly. But I have been anticipating, waiting, wishing that the time would go faster. This day arrived for the release of book two. And it's here. It was published on Thursday, the 15th of April. And it is called The Strange World's Travel Agency, The Edge of the Ocean. Now, I am very excited for this one because not only does it look like it's going to be the most fun ever, but it also includes one of my other favourite things, the sea and going to sea, and adventures on the high seas, which I do love. So, get yourself a copy of The Strange World's Travel Agency, The Edge of the Ocean by L.D. Lipinski. Also, follow L.D. on Instagram because they are rather wonderful and fun, and they're always posting the gorgeous covers of the original Strange World's Travel Agency from around the world, and they're just absolutely works of art. And uh, this is a fantastic series of books. So do support it. That was The Strange World's Travel Agency, The Edge of the Ocean by L.D. Lipinski. Now, my next recommendation is a rather special book um, to me, um, to lots of people, I am sure, and I'm 
I've been very excited about this book for a very long time because the person that wrote it, Jana Palero, is a very special person who I am friends with. And I have seen her journey from budding author to published author with my own eyes. And it's been a journey full of awe and wonder. And I am ever so amazed by her. And I can only imagine how amazing she is feeling this week to know that words that she wrote and a story that she created are out in the open, being loved by families, children, adults, dogs, chihuahuas, chihuahuas a dog, parrots, cats, spiders, frogs, all around the country and the world. And this book is called Monster Donuts. It's written by Jana Pilero. And it's got an illustrations by Sarah Illustrations. Jana writes better than I speak. Um, the illustrations are by Sarah Horn. And let me just try and find the plot. The thing is, I don't even know what the... Here we go. Ten-year-old Grace likes donuts and cakes as much as the next kid. I'm on board with this, Grace, already. But they are also her secret weapon. Grace is a monster hunter who owns a bakery. And everyone knows how much monsters love any kind of sweet treat. Just don't tell them about the secret exploding baking powder inside the donuts and cookies. When Grace's monster scanning machine alerts her to the donut-loving, people-eating, board-game-playing Cyclops Mr. Harris, she realises she's about to face her biggest challenge yet. <gasps> oh my goodness! It sounds so exciting because also Mr. Harris was one of my science teachers at school. He wasn't a Cyclops. He was a very nice man, actually. And so was his wife, Mrs. Harris, also one of my teachers. For a while there, I thought that science teachers came in pairs. I honestly did. Um, but uh, this is... I'm just I'm just so excited about this book. I, it should be arriving today. I am very excited to have it in my hands and to read it and to experience it. The last time I read one of Jana's stories was when I broke my leg and I was in hospital and she emailed it to me to keep me occupied and uh, I had a wonderful time, probably a little bit because I was on um, oh, oh, was morphine, morphine. But uh, So I'm very excited to read this one with a clear head, actually. Uh, that was Monster Donuts by Jana Palero with illustrations by Sarah Horn. And don't forget, you can get both that book and the Strange Worlds Travel Agency, The Edge of the Ocean, from my bookshop.org uh, affiliate page. Uh, I've got a list up there of books that I recommend on the podcast. You can click on the book you want to buy, and you'll be supporting your local bookshop at the same time. So do get to it. Gosh, aren't we lucky to have all these amazing stories being written for us. Uh, two fantastic books of the week there. I am very excited for them to arrive at my address and for me to read them, which I'm going to do very, 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 very soon. Although currently I am absorbed in a book for grown-ups about someone who goes missing in Orkney. Yeah, very good. It scared me last night, though, actually. Uh, I found it difficult to get to sleep after I'd read a chapter of it. It's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? Well, thank you so much for joining me. Don't forget to join me next week for the third and final part of The Reluctant Dragon by Kenneth Graham. And don't forget that you can find me on Glitterbeam Radio 
every Sunday at 1pm. Just tune in on glitterbeamradio.co.uk or using the uh, app, Glitterbeam app. And if you have missed any of my episodes from Glitterbeam, you can also listen to the podcast, which is available on the website. And I'm very excited because this Sunday, I will hopefully be appearing on God Save the Queen's Glitterbeam's Recap show about RuPaul's Drag Race with some of the other presenters. And it's been a secret goal of mine to be on that show. So I'm uh, hoping I can make it. But I'll be Panto Dame Dress Shopping in Blackpool at the same time. So it could be quite the adventure. Don't forget you can find me on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. Just search for at Mamaji Stories and I would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast. So please review, rate and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. And I will see you all next week. Bye. It's story time with Mama G. Come and hear a story with me. Love who you want to be, who you are. Learn these lessons and we'll go far It's story time Story time Story time with Mama